Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the latest Bicycling Australia Synetica podcast. And this one is going to be an all-time classic. Shortly, we'll be crossing to Phil Liggett in the UK, Phil is going to be speaking with us about Phil Liggett, The Voice of Cycling, a feature film that has just been released documenting his life and times. It's an amazing movie. I've seen it three times and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you um, the topics that Phil brings up. It's amazing stuff and we cannot wait. Before we do, we would love to thank Synetica. Synetica is an Australian-based cycling apparel company. They support our classics cycling events. I wear Synetica gear quite often when I'm riding. I love their prism gear. Italian style meets this Aussie substance in Synetica. Really good quality cycling apparel. Check them out online, Synetica cycling gear. And we thank them so much for helping support and get this podcast to you. Okay, let's switch over and speak with Phil Liggett, who's standing by in the UK. Nice to speak to you as well, Nat. All is good. Now, I guess Africa really does seem to be your second home. Um, I'm going by what we've seen in The Voice of Cycling, the movie, your recent um, the movie that's just out now. But Australia would have to be a very close third. Could you tell us about your connection with Down Under um, and how it, how it began? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I'd actually put the way the film has been received in Australia, it's going to number one, I'll tell you. The Aussies have been so good to me. And it, it's the film itself has gone out across 50 cinemas. There's been all sorts of private parties. They've hired cinemas. They've had great times and fun. Um, they've treated me very well. And not just the fans, but also the media. My first time I came to Australia was back in 1988, just after the Seoul Olympics. And that was because I met Phil Bates from Sydney, okay. who was then the organizer of the Commonwealth Bank Cycling Classic which has started after the Brisbane Games back in the at the early 80s. Mm. And uh, so Phil asked me if I'd go across and do commentary on the, the Bicentennial Games in 88. So the race was going to start up in Brisbane at the Bond University, uh, pass through Sydney and finish in the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. Now, to me, this was all double Dutch. I'd never been to Australia. Yeah. So I did. I went and I, I was well received. I flew up to Coolangatta, which I'd never heard of. I just remember I was dressed in a suit, and I remember the guy taking the tickets as we boarded the aircraft, uh, saying uh, to the guys in front of me in shorts, you guys are all set. You're going to have a great time out there. I thought, I wonder where we're going. <laughs> and when I got up there, of course, I found Coolangatta at that time of the year in October was the mm. most delightful place. We stayed at Surface Paradise and then gradually we made our way south over the next two weeks. That yeah. was my introduction to Australia. And then, of course, in 98, uh, Mike Turter contacted me. And I only knew Mike to commentate him. 
uh, at the time. He'd won the, the gold medal at the Olympic Games in Los Angeles, where mm. I'd worked for the BBC, not for Australia. And then Mike came together with me as a co-commentator at the Commonwealth Games in the late 1990s. And then then the result was Mike came to me and said, hey, we've lost the the Formula One Grand Prix. It's gone to Mm. Melbourne. We asked the folks of South Australia what they would like to see. And they've come back. They want to see a race in South Australia like the Tour de France. And as a result of that, uh, Mike had put together ideas. He worked close with Ron Webb, who was an Australian living in London and organizer of all the six-day events in the winter around the world, and mm. a very popular man. And so Ron could get the riders to go. And then Mike said, would I fly in in 1998 to, to South Australia and fly the route with Channel 10 in the helicopter mm. to see what the routes were like? Uh, I did that because I remember I, I'd never seen, of course, the hallowed uh, cricket square of the Oval. Okay. And this guy goes and lands his helicopter on it. Oh, God. And, and it wasn't too, didn't go down too well with the groundsman. Uh, but that's, what, that's where we touched down. And I stepped off onto the hallowed acres of the Oval. Wow. The result was, of course, everybody from the government, the police service, they just backed it to the hilt. And, mm. and then we know that we know the difference after this now, because it's turned down. It's it's now 22 years. It's been fantastic. Yes, yeah. and of course Stuart O'Grady won that debut um, TDU, didn't he? Well, he opened it to perfection. I mean, Stu at the time was a rising star, but he wasn't a rising star. He'd risen. He was a star, and mm. and Stu now had got a big time bike race in his home back garden mm. and so they made him eventually the ambassador but in that first year i remember we launched the teams for the for the race to start the next day in rundle mall okay. uh, which is a, a pedestrianized area with all the big yeah. shops and they set in the middle of the concrete uh, a stand and i remember standing by Stuart o'grady and he just looked out at the bike riders walking in the mall the most famous bike riders in the world of their day. Mm. And then he says, Jesus, he said, I never thought I'd see that. I said, what's that? Yes. He said, I've just seen Eric Zabel walk out of that superstore with a plastic bag full of toys for his kid, Rick. He Amazing. said, I never dreamt that would happen here in South Australia. And that was wow. the start of a dream week because, of course, we had 10,000 spectators at the start on the terraces. Mm. Um, I remember John Olsen, the Premier, saying, I told you this would work. I want another grandstand here so we can get another 10,000 people <laughs> when we come back to the terraces. Gosh. And that's exactly what happened. And he filled them. Yeah. I've, I've met John since in his years of retirement, uh, only a year or so ago. And and um, he remembers those days like it was last weekend. Mm. Uh, race was so 100% accepted, it could never fail. And to this day, COVID accepted, of course, it's become the most famous bike race in the world. And Mm. certainly the best organized, it it stands alongside every bike race I've ever worked on. And of course, Stuart, uh, this year should have been the race director. They got a kind of race off uh, in COVID times, but next Mm. year, hopefully Stuart will get to fly the flag as the race director of the next Absolutely. tour. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yeah. 
So, Phil, for those who haven't seen the film yet, um, and I'd just say to people, go and see it. This is an amazing, uh, not just a cycling movie, but a really impressive all-round movie. And um, I've watched it three times now. I'm pleased to see it. Wow, well done. It's about the same time as I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Phil, can you just tell us how the world's um, the most talked about and famous commentary partnership of all time um, did originally develop? 86 Uh, as a pro and and come back from Europe. So uh, that March in 86, I was at the, as I usually was at those times of the year till Tour de Nonde came along, I was actually on the Promenade des Anglais covering Paris-Nice. The race comes in, sprint finish, and then I went straight to Paul Sherwin because over the previous 10 years, Paul had ridden the Tour de France seven times. We'd built a professional relationship. Uh, We couldn't call each other great friends because we didn't socialize. And so I uh, just went up to Paul and said, hey, are you retiring? Well, yeah, he said, I'm packing in. I'm I'm leaving France. I'm going back to England. um, And I'll probably do two years, but I can't tell you who I'm racing for. So I'm not really bothered, really, but... Okay. I said, have you ever thought of doing commentary work with me? I said, I, I, look, cycling is getting very popular on British television. Um, we're, we're looking towards probably one day doing the Tour de France live every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in no position to offer you a job, but if I could get you a job alongside me, would you accept it? And he just said, uh, well, I'll give it a go because that's how Paul, Paul and I lived very close to each other, but it was just 12 years different in age. Mm. So I'll give it a go. I said, okay. And I, well, I said, I'll let you know. And, and I said, but listen, when you get uh, whoever you're riding for next year, uh, just write in the contract. You don't want to re- any race commitments during the month of July, which is when the tour would be, should it happen. Mm. And, uh, and that was how we left it. Well, later that summer, uh, some six or seven months on, I get a phone call from a, a friend, a guy I've known very well professionally uh, called George Shaw. And George worked for Rally. 
which they won the Tour de France in 1980. Okay. And so George says, uh, hello, Phil. I said, hello, George, how are you? He said, um, I've had this strange request from Paul Sherwin. I said, it's you, isn't it? He said, what's me? He said, You're, you, you signed him up, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah. He said, I said, well, I didn't know that, George. So I said, um, uh, yeah, I did. I said, look, when Paul finishes, he's told me he's writing for you for two years. When he finishes, what's he going to do with his life? Mm -hmm. um, I said, I've offered him a chance to work in television. And he said, oh. And I said, George, we'll let him wear a motif of rally on his on his on his television clothing mm. it got even better than that because in the end we might pull up in the races he and we, we talked to him on the bike when we were doing oh, live nice. races and it worked and george mm. just said i understand phil i've no problems with that thank you for telling me um and that's what happened that's how paul got into the business wow. and paul was a natural um our our sense of uh, friendship came through immediately uh, we gelled we mm. never had a crossword and people just liked us as a double act and of course the rest is history as they always say 33 years together sadly on december the 2nd 2018 paul passed away mm. unexpectedly and and that that portion of our lives came to a dead halt it was very sad yes it was um obviously a dark very or black day for cycling and you know we're it still was. mourning him we're still i'm not kidding you nat we got we got, I got, for the next five days, 10,000 tweets a day. Wow. And Trish will tell you that I sat on the deck of our house in Africa, because that's where I was when Paul died, mm -hmm. and I, I never left the table for five days. I just Unbelievable. sat. And, you know, Trish is saying, well, look, give it a rest. Take a walk. No, I've, everybody who's had the, the, the desire to write to me deserves a reply. So for five days, I just answered tweets. Yeah. Oh, it's um, absolutely terrible. Um, yeah. no, it was very sad. Um, well, it was a shock. We were, no one was expecting that. Yeah, yeah. It was um, so over more than three decades of commentating together. And then three years ago, some, some pretty major news um, with changes to the world feed. Uh, can you just tell us some, what happened there, Phil? Yeah, what happened was... The Tour de France was simply getting so popular around the world, particularly on the English-speaking part of the world, that um, what they normally did was, originally, the Tour de France asked me if I would commentate for them. We're going ample. We're going back over 10 years now. And mm -hmm. I said, sure. Um, but you, you understand, we are contracted, A, to British television, and B, to American television. So you can't control us. So push the plugs in join the commentary that's what happened and over the years it became very very popular for example sbs in australia people around australia thought we worked for sbs but we didn't work for sbs we mm. worked for american tv um, and sbs we involved very much so because we were selling the sport to a country i love and so i knew when sbs viewers joined us on air so mm. i would immediately update the situation with the Australian participants and the same applied to New Zealand who were also receiving the feed and to Canada and, and to uh, star television across Asia but they had no control over what we said but I personalized as best I could as mm. did Paul with me um, then it became so popular 
because the reason they have a world feed is that the smaller countries are in the business can't afford to put a full outside broadcast unit with producers, executive producers, all the cameras onto the race. So they take what they get. That's the basic mm -hmm. thing. And so SBS were on board, but I personalized it for SBS. But I knew everybody at SBS. But when the thing got too big, uh, then we had to bring in, for the early part of the feed, a foreign commentator. Well, we tried a couple, and the third guy was Matthew Keenan. Matthew was the best guy. Mm. And so Matthew used to come to the Tour de France now and sit almost alongside us. Well, he was alongside us, split by a partition. And Matt, uh, at the time the international feed was given to the world, when I wasn't working, because uh, NBC and, uh, and English TV weren't ready to go, mm. uh, so Matt started to work. And as soon as American TV and English TV came on board, then we took it off Matt and we continued to the finish of the race. Yeah. But then it got even worse. After another couple of years, the organizers wanted to give the world different pictures to what we saw on American TV or English TV. They mm. were sending out foreign interviews, for example. So while I'm calling a guy climbing out the res, they're here, they're listening to an interview of which my voice is talking over the interview. So it wasn't working. So mm. the final outcome was uh, they rang us up in the March of uh, 2017, I think it was, might have been 16, saying, Phil, it's a problem. Eh? I said, what's the problem? Well, you are working still with NBC and, and, and we need your voice for, for the world. I said, well, uh, there's a little difference in the fee for a start, but that was, that was by the by. Uh, they said, we, we are going to have to take Matthew Keenan now all the way to the finish. Mm. I said, that's fine. Look, Matthew knows his job. I said, but you realize that, you know, I mean, it very kindly, Matthew isn't me. And I know the fans love me and love Paul. Mm. And I said, you'd be heavily criticized. Uh, to which they replied, feel it lasts maybe 24 hours. Well, mm. six years on, they're still complaining. Mm. They're not complaining about Matthew. And there's no. a big difference. And the Australians thought because they get Matthew Keenan and Robbie McEwen, that actually they were employed by SBS, but mm. they weren't. They were employed by the Tour de France. Yeah. And for example, in South Africa, where our voices was also going, the South Africans didn't like the Australian accent, and they complained mm. to me. There's nothing I could do. So we, we had to agree to, to make a departure. Look, everybody in the world of television needs a big break. Matthew mm. and Robbie got theirs and made the most of it, and I'm right behind them. There's mm. no animosity us whatsoever and i must emphasize that now i understand the fans it's very difficult for fans who grow up with someone to switch camps and they mm. wanted my and i understand um because for example murray walker who's just passed away mm. to me f1 motor racing has never been the same since murray stopped commentating because he was a great guy to entertain mm. the new guys are brilliant they're brilliant yeah. i'm not interested though in how much petrol they put in I just want to know this guy's calling the race. So yeah, that's what well, happened anyway. So that that was the end of that um, sad sad part of life. And mm. and SBS and I uh, remain total friends. Total yeah, that's friends. Wonderful. SBS only the weekend just gone, uh, put on a special um, a special show of the showing of the filming in Sydney with the um, SU Velo, mm. and 
and and put a whole film crew in to do a private showing. So we will always be friends. Life yeah, that's goes. wonderful. Wonderful to hear, and great to see these um, Aussies, well, Matt Keen and Robbie McEwen, and of course Brodie O'Donnell. Um, you know, going to the world with their tour, the call, and particularly last year's call in such difficult circumstances. Um, yeah. We've got an article on, in, a, in a recent edition of Bicycling Australia showing Bridie and Matt working in a very small room in Melbourne, you know, oh, commentating no for the world from a big screen. It's just phenomenal. There's no luxury in television, only what uh, they want to show the world, believe me. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I commentated on the, the tour of China in Beijing in a toilet. But the toilet was not in There was nowhere else for me to sit. That was as simple as that. There was nowhere else for me to sit. So yeah. they, they took the toilet out, yeah. and you know how small a water closet is, and put me in. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Well, Papers all over the wall on my knee, on my yeah. head. And, and you try and find the words you want when you're in such a small circumstance. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Phil, what I like about the movie, it doesn't start with a close-up of a sprocket or a derailing <laughs> shifting but in fact of trish cutting your hair and the sound of amazing wildlife in yeah. the background so it's got a bit of everything it's not a pure cycling movie but a fascinating insight um i found it really interesting just getting to know um the your you and your life with between you and trish she's obviously a total pillar of your life and um wonderful yeah. support yeah when uh, when when the camera team wrote to me originally, the producers, and said, look, hey, we've got this idea. We want to make a film of your career. Mm. And I thought, wow. I, I wrote back and said, well, I love the idea. Do you think it'll stand up? And they said, you're joking, man, because you've got so much to tell us. Okay. So the, we made a date to, to start filming in Africa in the March of the following year. Mm. And in the end, when they came to Africa and saw my other side of life with Trish, Saving the Rhinos, the bird watching side, because I'm a patron of bird life South Africa. Mm. And, and, and how I explained that the, this lovely, beautiful lodge, which is the opening scene of the show, mm. comes in from the drone and you see us down there. We live in an idyllic place. It's a war zone. Mm. You guys around with AK 47s will kill you to mm. go and get the rhino. And so we, opened our appearance and we started Trish first, me second, getting involved with rhinos and, and the people that are involved in saving them. Mm. And then they suddenly saw the script they'd written, which they're planning to start filming in Africa, really was only one third of my life. The other one was how I involved with Trish, who was herself a, an Olympic ice skater mm. back in the eight in, in France. And, and then we spread on from that and we just, uh, we were no longer just talking cycling. So they rewrote the script and it was rewritten as we, as they went along. I had nothing to do with the input. They, uh, they, they looked, they recognized, they built the story without any consultation. And, and I, I tell you, I cry like everybody else does. And I also laugh like everybody else does every time I watch the show. Mm. They did a brilliant job. And they're a Melbourne-based crew. Uh, mm. The film is Melbourne. They... The distributors are in Perth, demand films. Um, no, I'm 100%. I just love it. I, I yeah. really love it. It was, um, it, as I said, yeah, sensational. We do get to see um, a little bit more insight um, about, obviously, those Lance years and how you yep. were so let down by him. Um, yeah. Is that is that your feeling, your takeaway from yeah, well, back I, at those? It had to be in the film. 
if it's going mm. to be a film of my life, Lance was right in the middle of my career. Mm. Uh, there were the best times of my career and there were the lowest parts of my career. No question about it. The British press regaled me. They uh, didn't regale me, rather. They ripped me apart, especially mm. the Sunday newspapers, about me being um, too close to a guy that was clearly guilty and I must have known every step of the way what he was doing. Absolutely untrue. Uh, but mm. as I found with social media, there's no good denying anything because they make their own opinions. And so um, I haven't spoken to Lance uh, as a friend since 2011. Here we are 10 years down the road. Mm. I've spoken once on television with no preamble, straight in live. So I couldn't chat with him uh, on, the, on the stage of the Tour de France uh, two years ago. And never spoken to him again since. Uh, we're not, not friends. We, we were never friends. That's the thing. If you know Lance Armstrong, you're not friends with Lance Armstrong. You're an acquaintance. Mm. He has a small inner circle, uh, and that inner circle is what I was never part of. So I don't know what the heck there was going on. However, I enjoyed doing the job when I was Lance's personal uh, master of ceremonies at all of the ev major events that he mm. put on in favor of cancer. Mm. And I saw how he dealt with cancer sufferers, and he was a different guy. Mm. Uh, his attitude was, as far as the racing was concerned, those guys take drugs. We're going to have to take drugs if we're going to ride in the Tour de France. And he told his team, if you don't take drugs, boys, get out. Mm. Because there's no point you here. You can't compete with these guys who are taking drugs. And we are going to do it better than they do. And that's mm. exactly it. It's a very American attitude in life, actually, not just in taking drugs. The Americans get involved, they do it different and better than anybody else. Well, at least that's what they think. Yeah. And so and that's what Lance did. Now, mm. having seen Lance in action with the people who've got cancer, uh, often at stage four, where they've got days or weeks to live, mm. boy, seeing that guy just, just take them to one side, talk them through it and say, hey, man. You've got to see what happened to me. These are the photos. These are the x-rays of all the spots on my lungs, the lesions on my brain. I beat it. Why can't you? And he was so inspirational. So mm, I, yeah, yeah. on that side of Lance, I'm with him all the way, just 100% yeah. of the way. On this yeah. other side, he did what I feel he had to do. Um, and I've got really, frankly, no interest. I'm, I'm definitely against drugs in sport. Uh, mm. Sports is a game. And you mm. don't cheat in games. And that's what really pissed me off in that respect. Yeah. And there is a lot more about that in the movie. I mean, seeing, including seeing your sort of ashen face in, in Adelaide, actually watching him on the oh. big screen making well, his revelation. I remember that like it was only last week. I, I was yeah. picked up by a chauffeur at the airport, just flying in. Yeah. And he, he was in a hurry to get me to the uh, Hilton Hotel because the ten, it was happening, I think, if I remember right, at 10 a.m. in the morning, local time, the mm. Oprah Winfrey for show was coming on with uh, what we all expected now must be why would he run a show if it wasn't going to be for the confession and mm. he was friends in Oprah so he chose her show as the, as the bandstand mm. and as we whirled around the front of the Hilton Hotel there was a block of cameras and I said to the guy who was driving the car I said hey who's coming to the hotel today he said who are all these camera guys he said it, they're for you I said what he said look I can take you around the back if you like I said, no, nah, I've got to face them sometime. I know, I know most of them. And so I couldn't even open the car door before they rammed the cameras, microphones through the window of the limo. And I finally got out. All they wanted was quotes. You know, mm -hmm. 
They knew how I knew Lance. The only one who was quotes. The management in the hotel gave me a private room, so I didn't have mm. to sit with all the jokes while I was watching the show. Mm. I watched the show, head in hands. Did you take EPO? Yes. Did you take steroids? Mm. Yes. So on. And then I had to go down and give a press conference. Sure. And I had absolutely nothing to do with all this. And now I'm conducting a press conference on Lance's doping problems. Yeah, but that's fair. the way it was. Um, yeah. you, know, you get on you get on the grandstand, you pay the price sometimes. I'd like to move on to a much happier and more positive topic. You're 77 years young and just as bouncing around as energetic as ever. Um, so what have you got coming up, Phil? Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm living and praying Paris-Roubaix is held. We're just two weeks away, and the, mm. the French won't make their the mind up. I have a horrible feeling it won't be held because they're getting approaching 45,000, 50,000 new cases every day in France, mm. and one of the hot spots is near the finish of Roubaix. So, mm. in all honesty, I can't see it going on, but I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, as far as uh, the rest of my life goes, it's the Tour de France. Uh, that should happen, but who knows anymore? Mm. And after the Tour de France, it'll be the Olympic Games for Channel 7. Uh, Channel 7 are working overtime to try and make it happen because it's quite clear now I'll be in London okay. for to put a voice on. Uh, Scott McGraw, my co-commentator, will be in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Now, it was always planned that Scott and I would be in Melbourne and never in Tokyo because it just doesn't work out. The velodrome's too far away from Tokyo, it, and the logistics were silly. So we mm. were always going to, I was going to fly always to Melbourne. Now mm. I can't fly to Melbourne. So the, at the end of the day, it looks as though um, I'll be in London, but there is a problem with sound delays, and they can't live with sound delays. So if they can't cure the sound delays, I've already offered them the option of dropping me and mm. taking another commentator and that makes sense to all round i've a look i've done 15 olympics um i didn't expect my last olympics will be done from from london that's ridiculous but I, if it's for the matter for the show to be the best show uh, they've got to find another commentator in melbourne mm. that's mm. always still happens it's july still a, a little way off yeah 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 um of course in other racing, talking about Roubaix before, Volta Catalunya was own, uh, finished overnight. Mm -hmm. Ineos, one, two, three, including Richie Port's second. So it's a, we do have another exciting year ahead of us, don't we? <laughs> Richie is one of my favourite bike riders. As a person, he's one of my favourite people, I'll be honest. Um, but he's just a typical Tassie, as far as I'm concerned. I love the people from Tasmania. Yeah. And I think, um, yep. He's either falling off or he's winning races. He only has one end or the other. There's nothing in between. And this one, he didn't fall off, so he's finished second. Mm. And, and a one, two, three for Ineos, who here in Britain are currently under fire because of the problems with, with the fact that the, the doctor, Dr. Friedman, who worked for the British Cycling as part of the day Brailsford set up, has been struck off the medical re register. Um, but there's still no proof that he doped riders. And I think he didn't dope riders. But that's mm. by the by. Uh, they're mm. going through a patch. And Ineos and, and the big bosses at Ineos stand by Dave Bailsford, who refuses to make any comment. And that's, I, I'm not going to say he's typical of Dave, but he's, he's a wise man because, in all honesty, social media now, you say it's one word, it. you're dead. Whatever you've done, mm. you're dead. And it's, it's never in, I face the same problem. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Richie 
is, I mean, the team, the Ineos team is the best. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Rowan Dennis, who's a refound man now. I know he's got a lot of help from Brad McGee in Sydney, but he's a refound man. And he's, mm. he's happy with the team. He's riding like a demon. He's so soaked in talent. So I'm just hoping that uh, they, they have a great tour. And yeah. down the line, I'm particularly hoping that Richie just hands the big one again. This guy is such a nice guy. Yeah, and then we'll see you back here in January for the TDU. Well, TDU have been more than gracious to me all through the January of this year. They called me personally and mm. said, "Look, we've got to get involved. It's virtual." Um, and they they brought me on virtually. I spoke to TV networks live at my time, rather early in the morning, and we we did the shows. Uh, and they've already said next year it's back to normal, and you'll be there. I hope mm. they're right um, yes. because I'm just a, you won't believe the the, the the now these days of Zoom and WhatsApp and and emails of course people have written to me from South Australia saying where are you get over here <laughs> we don't even know what COVID is which they don't in South Australia they're doing yeah. life as normal mm. so I a lot of friends I want to get back to yeah. Well, we can't wait to see you in Australia. We run some Grand Fondo events here in Oz, and you're always welcome. We would love to see you um, lining up at the start line or, or up there on a microphone. Um, well, as you, as you said, Nat, I am pushing 78, but I still ride my bike. I've just yeah. done a virtual Land's End to John O'Groats, which is wow. across the UK. It took me three weeks, but we had a lot of people. I interviewed people like Luke Derbidge on the ride, Simon Gerrans, Jens really? Vos. No, it's been a fantastic experience, yeah. and um, yeah, I can't I've, look. I've, Trish, Trish is, is she claims Australian citizenship, which she can't have. But her great great grandmother, she was a pioneer. She's buried in a gravestone in Gawler. We've seen the grave with the local mayor, so our blood is there too. Nice, wonderful. We can't wait till we see you back here. And Phil, like, we're so thrilled, so thankful for you um, taking the time to speak to us um, today to the Bicycling Australia. Now, absolutely fantastic. You stick to the hard work. I know it is hard right now filling that magazine with uh, in the months of COVID, but stay with it, boy. It's going to change. How good was that? A huge thanks to Phil Liggett for making the time to speak with the Bicycling Australia audience. Again, another big thanks to Synetica Cycling Apparel for supporting this podcast. You can follow us at bicyclingaustralia.com.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 